Alrighty, g'day guys and welcome to episode 40 of the Bradley J Driver Experience. Of course, it's your boy Brad behind the mic. And before I introduce today's guest on the show, I'm going to give you guys a scoop that you've heard across social if you're following me and, and across the last few potties, but 42 for CF, it's the event that I'm planning in Wollongong on December 12th. It is basically me, a very terrible Unco runner running a marathon for Cystic Fibrosis Australia, not only to raise funds and awareness, but to spread the message that whatever you want to do in life, you can achieve it if you set your mind to it and you work hard. Jump over to socials on Instagram and YouTube. We've got hashtag 42 for CF and you'll find all the information behind this event. Currently working with Wollongong Council to make it the first official marathon in Wollongong's history. So there's so many exciting things happening. But enough about that and a little bit about today's guest. I guess you could call this man the, the conductor of the orchestra, and I'm not talking an orchestra in traditional sense, but rather the arts, music, and just the creative scene here in our amazing hometown of Wollongong. He is the owner of Verb Syndicate. This gentleman's name is Simon, and he's come through the studio, the apartment, whatever you want to call it, today to basically talk all things Wollongong and this amazing sort of cultural scene that that's improving by the day in our, in our hometown. Simon, how are you, mate? Yeah, good, mate. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's an absolute pleasure. It's It's been exciting because I was sort of, you were brought to my attention a little bit earlier in the year from the first guest on the show, Lockie Stevens, and we spoke about, Lockie and I were speaking about Wollongong and how it's, it just seems like every year it sort of just goes to that next level. There's a little bit more art, a little bit more culture more music happening, which is exciting for our city because once a very industrialised area with the steelworks and kind of that's what everyone was here for, to work and just work in the industry, it's exciting to start to see us take, I guess, that Melbourne vibe on and, and start to create a culture of our own. Yeah, oh, most definitely. Look, um, you know, I was born and raised in the area, so I think, you know, having a place where you have spent your whole life kind of, you know, um, slowly start to become something that, you know, you wanted to see and that you, you know, you knew existed in other parts of the world. Um, yeah, I think, yeah, it's, it's, you know, it was a really beautiful introduction. I mean, I'd love to take credit for all of it. Um, yeah. but you know, there's, there's so many, you know, been so many key players that I've partnered with and I'm friends with and have been connected with over the years. And, you know, it's, it's, you couldn't tell you the amount of times I've used the cliche from, you know, little things, big things grow, but it really yeah. has been, yeah, like that exactly process. That. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So talk, talk to me about where it all started back in 2008, right? Yeah. Yeah. So the business Verb started in 2008, but um, Verb was kind of this um, concept that I'd, I'd created because at the time, was doing a lot of different things, um, doing a little bit of music stuff, um, some art stuff. I had, I think at the time I had probably like four or five different, I don't want to say businesses because, you know, business implies yeah. that there was, <laughs> there was profit. Yeah. I would call them brands, which were logos with probably Gmail and emails attached to them yeah. or something like that. Um, I was doing a lot of work, uh, with, uh, like Jeb Taylor, who I mentioned earlier, um, off air was um was a guy that we were doing a lot of stuff together in terms of book and venues i was doing graphic design stuff he was running labels um and the aim for verb really to come out of that stuff was that um 
like I said, I had all these different business names and, you know, I had a, a brand for music, I had a brand for art, I had a brand for my own sort of personal art stuff. And it just, I've never been super comfortable running under sort of me as an individual. I've always kind of liked to hide behind, yeah. you know, like, a, I guess like a brand identity or something like that. So Verb was really the concept of like Verb is a doing word and Syndicate is a group. So okay. it was just this kind of group of people doing things, which meant... That I like that. I was going to ask for the name then. <laughs> well, that's basically where, where the concept came from. So it didn't matter what I was doing, whether it was music, art, whatever. I could just roll it under this ooh, under this banner and yeah. and it would work. So, yeah, that that was really where it came from. And, and I that's guess cool. that was probably from about 2005. I lived in the UK in 2005 in Manchester and it sort of planted a few seeds in my own head and you know was overseas getting super inspired and contributing to some of the graffiti and street art stuff happening over there and then came back and yeah sort of by 2008 had really formulated it and that's unreal tried to hit the ground running and Wollongong at that time like I was I was a young young fella at that time not to rub it in (laughs) but I was what I was maybe like like, (laughs) not not quite that young I think I was like Oh, probably like 10, 10, 12, <laughs> somewhere like that. Mm. So I remember Wollongong, but I don't remember its cultural scene. Like I wasn't going out. I wasn't going to events. Yeah, yeah. But can remember it was, it was very different to what it was now. For yeah. you coming from overseas where it's, you know, everything, you know, when you go to Europe or you go to the States, everything seems to be sort of 10 years ahead of where we are here. Could you see things that you thought, okay, that would work really well in Wollongong and that's what we need to start implementing? Yeah, I mean, look, it's it's always been one of those things. Like, I I found like graffiti as it would have been known, sort of, you know, in 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 the mid '90s, and it was this thing that absolutely, completely changed my life. You know, like it was the, it was this pure raw thing. And at the time, you know, I mean, look to this day, like I still kind of paint more traditional lettering rather than yeah, you know, sort of like street art as it's probably more formally known now um but yeah like the crazy thing is like this stuff has been happening around the world for probably 25 or more years you know it's not something that's necessarily that new um but in terms of like what was happening in Wollongong at the time as well I've got a I've, I've always had friends that are a bit older than me as well so probably in their like early to mid 40s now and I would say, like, I was that kid that was about 16 or 17, couldn't get into venues, couldn't get into bars, but had friends that could, that were in bands or were artists. And, yeah. And I think the the crazy thing with Wollongong is it's almost like, it's almost like this is in a way a bit of a renaissance. <laughs> like, yeah. it, it, you know, I mean, sort of sounds like I'm potentially living in the past a little bit, but, you know, there's always been a crazy creative scene in Wollongong that's contributed nationally but it came in the early and mid 90s you know so yeah. it was done and dusted by the time a lot of people were ready to sort of take notice so I think you know I was really lucky in the sense that I got to observe some of that stuff and you know remember it's a bit of a Wollongong cliche but you know seeing some of the bands that are still around today you know at the Oxford for free yeah you know so yeah I think it's definitely been a huge evolution and you know the way things have happened has has been really great, but yeah, like I think it's just it's it's been bubbling and simmering away for for decades, you know. And you got to sort of 
pay respect to yeah well I, I definitely want to pay respect to the people that were were there before me and inspired me yeah 100 percent. so for you coming into the business in 08 was it almost because I, I think i've read on your website it might have been that it's almost this okay how do we work with council how do we work with the local governing bodies to make this something that people want to see and that we can continue to grow rapidly because that's always the thing with Wollongong it's kind of hard to a lot of great ideas that everyone has it's hard to get them implemented and to find them within our council area yeah yeah for sure and I think the other thing was as well like as much as I've always enjoyed you know in, in the past like being an artist whatever that means playing in bands or creating visual work or whatever I've always enjoyed that but there's always been you know that percentage that sits above me that I'm just like, you guys are like friggin' amazing. Like, you know, why, yeah. why, why are you not huge? Why does everybody not know you? Why, why? Yeah. <laughs> and, and that for me, like, I remember making a really conscious effort. I would say probably around 2010 or 11 where I was like, look, like, I just want to like dedicate what I do to unearthing and kind of collaborating with with creatives because a lot of my friends at the time you know didn't have the confidence to kind of go in and present their ideas to a council or to a brand or to a business but you know I think I just would talk I still would probably talk to anyone that'll listen yeah so I kind of found pretty quickly that I just slotted into that position and it just worked there were you know in the early stages I was doing some painting as well and all the rest of it but I kind of felt like my skills were really, yeah, in the communication and the ideas and formulating, I guess like almost a bit of a, yeah, kind of producer role yeah. in a way. And um, yeah, it just kind of went from there. And yeah. How do you find yourself? So you've obviously got artistic talent, you've got that creative nature, but then to form that into a business and go, okay, we're going to put, like you said, not just brands, but we're going to make this something that has profit we have to consider the loss. We have to consider how we actually structure this and grow this. Mm. How do you get your business brain on? Did that come natural or was that something you had to really work on? Uh, I, I've sort of always had a bit of a business mentality in terms of, okay, well, if I'm going to do something, like it's got to go somewhere, it's got to be something. And look, as I get older, it's probably to my detriment as well because I can't even have a beer with someone without kind of strategizing about, well, what's the beer going to be? Are we going to make the beer? You know, like, and it it can be quite addictive. Um, But yeah, I think in terms of having the hat on, it's always been driven and uh, I feel like I just constantly talk, (laughs) talking cliches, but it's always been like so driven just by passion, like 100%. And like, I'm at the, I'm at the point where uh, you know, I've I've missed opportunities because they just fully haven't fueled who who yeah, I am. I get that, and yeah, and I think that's a it's it's a blessing and a curse because it's a really great feeling to just be like, you know, if it's not turning me on, then yeah. I, you're not going to get the real me. And if you don't get the real me, then it's not good for you. And if I'm not given, you know, like it's this whole kind of conundrum yeah. that that you slide into. But yeah, like I think yeah, like in terms of building it and developing it. You know, I've never gone into anything like incredibly strategic where I'm like, okay, here's the point we're at now. And then I'm aiming, like, that's my goal. Like, I've, I've never worked on long-term goals. Um, I just think, you know, whatever happens, you can't control what you're going to do here to when you're getting there. So I, I don't yeah. even worry about that sort of stuff. Wherever I end up is wherever I end up. I know based on my drive and the passion for what I'm doing at the time, wherever I end up is going to be a great spot anyway. So yeah. I don't, don't kind of go, 
I've never understood people that do these, you know, yeah. plan, five-year plans. It's and, a very, um, it's almost a very commercial mindset, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, I think people need structure. Like, people are different, you know? Like, yeah. some people thrive on that, whereas, like, you know, I, I can get really, uh, really bored with repetition and as much as I yeah. like structure and I like routine and all the rest of it and systems like at the same time like if if I get too much of that as well I just kind of want to revolt and you know what I can it. comment on that like I found I found for me formally because mm. in the first time we met I was still you know, I was in my lunch break and my real estate day to day and for me at the time I felt like it was necessary to have goals because it wasn't necessarily passion driven. Yeah, yeah. It was more success driven. So it was like, if I don't have a goal that somehow allows me or focuses on being better next year than I am this year, yeah, doesn't make sense. But now as someone who, on the flip side of that, threw away any form of income and just decided to figure it out as I went, mm. like, I think passion just allows you to live day by day and I understand that if you've putting in the right thing and you feel like you're on purpose, you're actually going to head in the right direction anyways. Yeah. Oh yeah, completely. And I mean, regardless of whether you end up in a destination yeah. or whether or not you're still traveling on the highway of, you know, lost dreams, Yeah. as long as you're enjoying the journey, you know, like yeah. I don't think it really matters no, like, I agree. if you're doing what you love again. They're all cliche 101, but you know, as long as you're doing what you love, like you know, I remember people saying that to me when I was young. So, you're doing what you love, you'll never work another day, yeah. It's true, though. But it's and look, I want to say at my age, but you know, like you know, I'm not getting any younger, and you know, I want to be in a position where I am genuinely only doing the things that I want to do because God, I've done so much shit that I didn't want to (laughs) do, you know. That's a good question. What does that look like for you doing the things you're absolutely passionate about? Is there a direction that, firstly, you know, we'll, we'll come back to that. Let's talk about what verb is at the moment. Mm. Let's talk about the operation of it and then where you see it headed. Yeah, well, again, like it's always just been that vessel of being able to do things, like whatever they are. So, you know, I joke even sometimes with the boys in the office that, you know, we'll be out there mowing lawns under yeah. verb syndicate if that's the opportunity that we feel is a good opportunity at the time. Yeah. You know, the the aim always since it started was to be able to kind of pivot quickly and be able to do whatever it is that we need to do. So um, at the moment, I guess the best way to kind of describe what it is, it's it's kind of like a creative agency. Um, so finding opportunities, taking our own ideas, taking other people's ideas, kind of formulating them into bite size or digestible pieces for people to come in and be able to, either finance or co-finance those things um yeah. so an example of that could be something like uh we did an activation for volkswagen at um semi-permanent design conference which it was <clears throat> excuse me uh worked with an artist from new york who we'd actually we've actually brought out on two occasions jason yeah. woodside um so he did wonder walls and he also painted the back of the tramp store which yeah. is opposite um Centuro in globe yeah. lane so he did a, um, they actually did a VR test drive, Volkswagen did a VR test drive of their new Golf. Okay. Um, but then we worked with Jason to kind of take, ooh, out of control. 
to um to take uh, his creative and sort of roll that out onto the new V Dove Golf. That's he cool. painted a mural in the foyer of Carriage Works, and you know it was this kind of whole like creative experience. Yeah, and I think that's probably the best way to to describe what we do is like you know it, it really is about trying to create those like moments or those experiences for consumers, customers, individuals, people, communities, whoever yeah. it is, and you know it's sort of a, in a way a bit of a yeah a bit of a celebration of of what that moment in time is. And I feel like it's definitely something that's catching on like i can see the world as a whole moving in that direction where brands are looking for artistic opportunity to step out of the typical commercial advertisement space and look at something more creative something that stands out in a world where you have to stand out to be noticed Absolutely. now because of how much there is plastered across social and and all of these spaces um that's it's exciting to see you guys doing that from here you, you mentioned wonder walls Yep. Has that been maybe the biggest success in the business's time? Yeah, well, I mean, I guess what depending on what the metric of success is, you know, financially, like definitely not. Yeah. Um, but in terms of, I guess, what Verb's moment is or Verb's experience of how people often come to hear about us or know us is through Wonderwalls. Yeah. Um, so in a way, like the festival has kind of become a bit of a business card for other opportunities. So, you know, while it might be difficult to understand, you know, uh, we don't make a lot of money, if any money, out of the festival. Yeah, I understand um, that. Yeah, it's more so putting verb on a, exactly. on a major scale. And also being able to, you know, create a platform for us to be able to work with artists for the first time yep. usually. So, um you know, we'll bring artists from around Australia and around the world to Wollongong as well as local artists and kind of use that as a bit of an opportunity to network. And I think the the best thing about Wonderwalls is that um, for the most part, it's always been, um, it hasn't been sort of vetted by um, creative constraints or anything like that. Yeah. So whenever the festival's been on, like even up until paint touches the wall, not like I don't even know what's going on the wall. Okay, and that's I love, cool. I love that. I think that's yeah. that's the most incredible kind of empowering part of the festival is that you know that there isn't this kind of death death by committee approach to yeah. what's being painted onto these walls because at the end of the day, you know, all these different creative influence influences from all around the world are converging on Wollongong for you know one weekend to paint the walls. Like why yeah. why why would that be influenced by anyone else other than them? You know. And I guess that kind of explained it there. If you're listening to this going, what is Wonder Walls? We're not talking about the Oasis here. We're talking about <laughs> basically these these ginormous paintings on buildings and, and massive wall space within the Wollongong area, which I was I can't remember the first time that I seen one. Mm-hmm. I think it might have been in town. Because Wonder Walls happened in Port. Was La- it? Yeah, last, last year, year was its its first year in Port Kembley. Yeah. It started in two thousand and twelve. Where? In Wollongong, yeah. So okay. you probably know um, like one agency on yeah. Kira Street. Yeah, that's where my sis works. Oh, well, there you go. Who's your sister? Shania. Oh, okay, no. Nah. Because my office was above one agency. So yeah, I, okay. I knew the guys quite well, but um, obviously after my time. But the yeah. portrait of the girl, Celestine, is, is, yeah. is the female's name on the wall. Um, yeah. Have you ever, you've you ever seen it, that yeah. one? So that was kind of the big moment in 2012 which was a guy from melbourne by the name of roan okay. um and if yeah for any of your listeners i, 
definitely recommend go and check his stuff out. And, um, yeah. It's got a book out as well, so give it a buy. Give him a plug. Yeah, yeah. Hope um, he's listening. Oh, it does, does the most amazing stuff. And I was looking through some old press stuff the other day, actually, and at that time he was quoted in one of the interviews as he'd only just gone full-time artist yeah. 12 months before that. So guess what? That's like nine years or eight years ago mm. now. And if you look at where that dude's at now and the, and the body of work that this guy's done, absolutely incredible. Yeah. So I guess like that's that's a real real heartwarming kind of experience to have connected with someone like Roan at such an early stage. Definitely. And to see where, you know, not only, you know, what the culture has become, but, you know, what the artists have become as well, you know? Like. That's, that's something that I give you a lot of credit for and I think something I really respect. Probably the thing I respect most about what you're doing with Verb Syndicate is for someone like, say, myself, who has taken the plunge, you just said it there, for like someone to go full-time artist mm. or full-time creative usually means you're not making much money. And yeah. that's unfortunately the reality for a little while. But someone like yourself continues to provide opportunities for these people to be recognised, to grow, to actually make some sort of financial, um, have or have some form of financial stability in their creativity. It's mm. it's so exciting as someone who's stepping out and taking that risk. Oh, completely. And I mean, like, you know, uh, very kind with your words for sure. But, you know, a lot, a lot of these guys are just so self motivated and, yeah. and self-propelled that you know i mean I've, I've said to people in the past as well like i get really excited when you come across a creative or anyone in business for that example for that matter where you get this feeling like it doesn't matter whether you help them or not like they're gonna do yeah. it they're gonna do it and they're gonna kick they're gonna kick goals and if you know you either get on or you get off you yeah. know what i mean and and yeah for someone like roan i mean even that that wall is an example um he was actually supposed to paint another wall, which was much smaller. And it fell through, like, I think the day before yeah, the festival, okay. you know. And um, and I still remember getting on the phone to the, one of the real estate agents and just begging them for this wall because the one agency weren't in, in the building at the time. Yeah. Um, it was empty. And I'm like, like, no one's in there. Like, just, you know, if whoever moves in, if they don't like it, like, I'll personally come and I'll paint over it. And, um, and in my head, I'm just thinking, well, Roan's just probably going to take the first half of the wall, you know, because yeah. at that time we didn't have budget for lifts or, you know, yeah. we had a ladder and that was probably about it. And um, <clears throat> next thing you know, like I'm down at the wall and like Roan's on the phone to like Coates and I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, oh, I've just hired a lift. <laughs> and I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, I've hired a lift. And I'm like, dude, we don't have any money for it. He's like, oh, I'll pay for it. It's all good. So he's gone and hired himself a lift next yeah, to well, yeah. thing turned up at the wall and he's taken the whole thing out, you know. So for him, like this was that moment where it was like, I'm just going big. Like I'm just going all in on this Opportunity thing. Opportunity to be noticed. Yeah. And look, while we probably couldn't take the accolades that that was, you know, the first street art festival in Australia, like, yeah. you know, it would have been pretty close, I think, at the time um, in terms of, you know, like a multi-day, multi-disciplinary yeah. event. And dude, he just like, grab the bull by the horns and I still remember like that Monday going into the office and just I think it made the front page of the paper as well yeah and we had no permission from council like we just ran this event like fully underground underground you know what I mean yeah a little bit of social media advertising few flyers and just took the risk off we went yeah and it was yeah it was the best feeling we'd love to recreate that you know what's all a bit confusing and scary Buying your first home and getting your first loan approved. 
You see, I'm 24 and I bought my first property last year. Even as an agent at the time, there was so much I didn't know about finance because we aren't taught these things at school. You see, I'm blessed now because one of my best mates, Zachary Bidoff, is a mortgage broker. And now that I'm self-employed, I have to be smarter with my money. So I sat down with Zach to refinance my loan and to get the absolute best deal I could. And it's saving me money every week. You see, the great thing about Zach is he's 28 years old, super relatable, and he knows everything you need to about buying your first property. So whether it's pre-approval or refinancing that you need, head across to ZacharyBidoff.com or find the link in the show notes. And, and for me to be able to see that around Wollongong, I think, I know it's, it's never going to be everyone's cup of tea, but I just think, I used to profit off the sale of, you know, new buildings like we're sat in mm. now, you know, as an agent, you sell them. And, but I just think, don't you get sick of seeing the same thing all the time? Then you get seeing, sick of seeing a lack of creativity or Blank culture bricks. or it's just nice to have something there that symbolizes maybe a moment. Like I know for you that you'll probably always remember that office for that, mm. you know, or for someone who walks up that street and I used to have coffee across the road. We spoke about Opus. Yeah, yeah. I used to have coffee across the road probably three times a day every day. <laughs> yeah. And I used to look at that and just think that's so much better than staring at brown bricks. Yeah. It's funny actually like, um, because you know, without giving too much away, you know, in the process of planning planning another project at the moment, yeah. I was just going through my photos and um, I was coming across a bunch of the old walls, you know, before the paintings, like the the wall on the David Jones building with the guy with the koalas, so smug. Yep. So that wall before that was on there, you know, yeah. and these before and afters, because I obviously have no recollection of what those walls even looked like before there was paintings on yeah. them. It's as far as I'm concerned, they've existed you know, since yeah. the beginning of, beginning of, of time, time, you know, and then when you see them without the paintings, like, it's like, it's a real bizarre yeah. thing to think of. I don't know. Yeah. Like I probably should, maybe that's a little project. I'll, I'll maybe put a little deck together with the before and after of every, that would be great. Yeah. Cause I think there's over, it's probably over a hundred walls now within the CBD. Have they exist. all been organized through you guys? I'd say the majority, like there's a few that haven't. Um, but you know, I've, over the years work relatively closely with council as well and have yeah. started to deliver projects with them sort of one-on-one. -on -one. So the IPAC wall yeah, um, with the guy on the elephant. Yeah. Um, so that wasn't a Wonder Walls wall, but that was a project that we worked on to deliver with, with Can council. I ask? It may not be, but I was actually speaking, when I announced that you guys were coming on, I shared on, on my story on Instagram a photo of, um, I think it might have been Jason painting a Wonder Wall or, or doing some form of street art here in Wollongong. And I had someone reach out who was saying that a friend of theirs who tragically passed a young girl, Skylar. Oh yeah. yeah, um, yeah from, yeah. from the local area passed way too young in a real tragic passing. And she was painted on a wall. Yeah. So that, yeah. Was that through you guys? That was a, yeah, that was a wonder walls project. Yeah. And like, that was yeah tragic, tragic story. And, um, so Claire Foxton actually yes, had, yeah had and again like don't completely quote me on this but uh, I, from my understanding had a had a relationship with the family yeah um and knew Skylar and um yeah used her as as the model in her piece and at that time I think that was 2016 yeah ish um yes cr created the work um and I think from memory like that was one of the first big-ish walls that Claire had painted as well so it was 
pretty special moment, yeah. 100%. And what a, like, what a nice thing for the family and the friends of, of that girl. Like, I didn't know her personally, but I know so many people did. Yeah, Like, yeah. she seemed like she was pretty popular and well-known. For family and friends to be able to see that and, you know what I mean, that's a reflection of a young life that everyone loved and everyone loved being around. That's what the art's about. And, and yeah. that's such an amazing thing for this city. Yeah, 100%. And look, you know... Claire completely and utterly, you know, did did the project justice and, and yeah. did Skylar complete justice. You know, yeah, like, yeah, it would be really interesting to... I actually reached out um, to Skylar's dad when I heard about the project, just, uh, sorry, yeah. about her passing, um, you know, just to sort of, out of respect, it, it was a complete and utter yeah. blowout. And look, I, you know, didn't have a relationship with Skylar or the family or anything like that. We met briefly during the festival, but... Yeah, super, super crazy circumstances. But, um, but yeah, like I said, yeah. Definitely. Glad, glad that, you know, that, yeah, the piece is, is encapsulated and, yeah, just, again, about representing those moments in time. 100%. Talk to me about the future of the business and what do you want to do that you haven't been able to do yet? Um, yeah, it's interesting. Again, you know, like I, I've <clears throat> tried not to sort of put my head up and look too far ahead. Um just because, I mean, who would have thought we'd be sitting in the middle of a global pandemic and, you know, Tell we had some pretty, yeah, we had some pretty over-the-top plans with an event space that we had at the time and a gallery and all the rest of it. So, I mean, I don't know, like, it, it, we've got a few little things in the, in the, in the fire, a few ovens, in, a few irons in the fire, a few ovens in the fire. Um, yeah, so, like, I don't know, I don't know, just, yeah, ticking along. I wish I had a better answer to that. No, that's um, all right. But... Yeah, um, doing a few interesting things at the moment, back in and doing a little bit of stuff around music. Um, yep. More sort of creative arts in music rather than music directly. Self, yeah. Um, but yeah, like I, th I think just enjoying ourselves. I feel like it's, That's, and, it's such a cop out. And you, you know? can see that. You can see, like for me, I was looking, I was scrolling through your Instagram again yesterday and you can see that there's just so much happening and it looks like it's all a big ball of fun. Yeah. And it's an exciting time for Wollongong because there's so many great... We spoke about a few bands before, some artists. You know, there's guys like you got, you know, the Inspired Unemployed who I don't even know how you categorise them, but, you know, local lads that are just having a ball and being creative and I've seen you guys done some work with them. Yeah. It's just exciting to see all these people emerging from... Which potentially is a one of the positive byproducts of COVID. Oh yes. yeah, most most definitely. I mean, like the one thing, even just on my way here this morning, when I grabbed the coffees and I ran into um into Blake, he used to own um, Lower East Cafe. Yeah, and um, Blake is in here. Oh, does he? Oh, there yeah. you go. Oh, small word, but look, I hadn't seen him in like four or five years. And again, going back to Wonderwalls, in terms of those moments, like Blake, I remember because he's obviously there's a piece on that wall yeah. by Finton McGee and trying to get that over the line with the owner um he was in the cafe and the cafe at the time and you know we had a really great experience in like he was so keen to get it done but the owner was a bit like oh you know which at that time I think that was 2013 there was no proven kind yeah. of you know track record or anything like that but um just seeing him then and you know he was telling me that you know he's got two restaurants over in Indonesia and you know yeah. like so 
kind of hearing about all these, I, I really like that as well as about sort of hearing about people's success from Wollongong, but outside of Wollongong. Definitely. Because I think a lot of my early years, I didn't think anything existed over the escarpment. It was almost like a, the part in the it Lion It is a King, little bubble here, isn't you it? You know, where I was like, what? You're allowed to go over the hill? Like, yeah. I didn't know, you know. But It's funny, yeah. isn't it? Like, and that's people always it's it's funny because i get the same question with this yeah you know how do you see this growing in wollongong and i'm like well to be honest i, I message I, I tell my mates all the time i message rogan yeah once every three months like hey bro one <laughs> step closer in. to you yeah. like let me know when i'm coming on or let me know when you're coming on all the time yeah, yeah i think people forget that you can actually succeed outside of here but i think you can still do it within now because of because of these phones and this technology, oh, and irrelevant now. the locations completely. become completely irrelevant. Yeah, but it's nice to see that we almost are appreciated on a much higher scale now. Yeah, yeah. I think I saw that the most with like Sydney. Um, I, I still remember going to like art shows and friends being like, "Oh, you staying up for the night?" And I'm like, "No, mate, I'm just going home. Yeah. Just do this. the hour drive. Just come yeah. up for an hour, you know." Yeah. And I, I, there was this perception that you know, Wollongong was this... I think there's a weird connection between Wollongong and Newcastle. I yeah. think people from Sydney think that Wollongong Definitely. is as far away as Newcastle. Um, but it's interesting now because a lot of those Sydney folk are slowly starting to migrate down the hill and, you know, because De- they can't afford the property prices. Definitely. And, you know, it's like, don't call it a comeback. We've been here for years. 100%. You know? I, was, um, I was in Melbourne in 2018. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it was 2018 for about nine months. Yep. And I remember, like, I'm a bit of a love of coffee and I'd go to cafes all the time and people would go, oh, new face, where are you from? And I was like, oh, Wollongong. And they go, ah, country Victoria boy, eh? And I'm like, not at all. Not at all. You missed the mark there. Like we're literally an hour south of Sydney. That's Dapto they're thinking of. Yeah, exactly. And it's, um, it's just funny that it's a disconnect. Yeah. Maybe it's not exclusive to Wollongong in the fact that, you know, everybody kind of, thinks that everything is another world away you know yeah. it's like instagram and all the rest of it all social media is just connected that world i mean if anything the lockdown now is you know the amount of zoom meetings i've had where it's like how normal is that because oh, it's so good though because the amount of times that you know you go to a meeting and it can take you know three or four hours round trip getting up getting back like yeah. in terms of going to sydney and then okay cool i'll send you an email sweet no worries catch you yeah. later and it's like oh could have yeah. just done that over over Zoom, you know, so I feel like now that's kind of become a new normal for us is like, let's just try and get face-to-face digital. And yeah. if there's a connection and if we feel like we've got something, then let's, you know, let's, let's actually make the, make you know, the trip. I'm, I think you're probably more open to it being a creative sort of mind, but even in the corporate space, I think it's actually opened up like an element of trust with employees mm, and yeah. employers where do you really need to be in the office 100% of the time? Yeah. You know what I mean? To to be working, like, can you be at home? Can you be in a cafe? Can you be somewhere off-site or out of location that you're still being productive in your job and yeah. using the technology that we actually have? Yeah, completely. I mean, I think, you know, it, businesses probably just need to now start worrying about, like, you know, what the output is. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, I don't think it matters. I mean, if you can do a 40-hour job in 20 hours a week, then do it. Bloody then, you know, there'd be people in corporate office blocks be screaming that for probably 20 or 30 years yeah you know but yeah i don't know like i i think i think that's just like you know the institution uh, the institution and the establishment is like we've done it like this yeah i've worked in corporate 
somewhat corporate positions and government positions. And, you know, it's just, again, I think it comes back to that thing a bit similar to the five-year goals is like some people just need structure. Yeah. Because I tell you what, like if I had one of those jobs and I could just sit on the lounge and watch TV, that's probably what I'd do. Yeah. You know, oh, leave you to your own devices. Yeah. I'd, yeah, I'd be my worst own. You know, How do you go in a corporate space? I'm terrible. Yeah. Absolutely terrible. I lasted eight months in a relatively good high paying high profile yeah. sports marketing role okay <laughs> and i was like yeah i'm gonna bounce eh? it's not easy is it when you just especially i i struggle like i had amazing bosses i worked yeah. at mmj in Wollongong. amazing bosses who let me do a lot of things that typically wouldn't be allowed in real estate yeah and i still struggled because i'm such i'm just like a, i'm not like a i'm not i don't think i'm a good employee yeah, right. They, they might argue that, yeah, I've always done the right thing by the business, always loved the business and looked after the people that were around me. But I just enjoy, like, making decisions out of women, just mm. going for it and kind of being a bit risky. Yeah, yeah. Which I think doesn't work well in the corporate world sometimes. Well, maybe it would if it was allowed to be expressed a little more. Yeah, well, I think everybody, you know, in those environments are accountable to somebody else, whereas yeah. in your own sort of employment you're only accountable to yourself so if you miss a job or you know you don't make you know your income goals then you don't get the nice thing but yeah. you know when you're in when you're in a job you know you've got the person above you and the person above you and the person above you and it's just like the human centipede of not wanting to take risks yeah. um you know and i think people get used to their lifestyle as well is that you know if you're on 100 grand a year and that's guaranteed then, you know, you get used to the nice car, you get used to the nice house that you're not going to want to rock the boat. You know, you know? what? That's, it's funny because I, I said to a lot of people, I reckon that is the undo. I, I don't reckon a lot of people enjoy their lifestyle as much as they think they do. And, mm. and I think that a lot of the time lifestyle is almost a mask for unhappiness at work. Yeah. Wow. This could be part two on that one. I reckon it's, um, yeah. Look, don't you reckon? Yeah, completely, completely. And and look, I think I've been guilty we all have. of that with, you know, so this, the sports marketing role, like it was crazy because I got the job like pretty much after uni. So I was probably like 23, 24, 24 or something like yeah. that. And it was a really sweet paying gig, um, you know, had media passes, had um, petrol card, had like had my income and then no other costs. Yeah. And it was next level. And I've never experienced... I'm not gonna. I don't want to say it was depression because you know that's that's a real heavy word. But like the level of like sheer unhappiness that I I experienced, and I'd never sadly seen that much money in my life. You know, and it wasn't even a lot yeah. of money. Like, but at the time, yeah. I'm just 25 and thinking, you know, I'm killing it. Like, you know, but just wasn't feeding my soul. And that's the one thing as I'm getting older now is that like that's got to happen. Otherwise, yeah, I'm just a I don't know, puppet or something like that. You know, you know what? Like there's a story. I still remember reading a story a couple of years ago and I didn't understand it mm. until I made the move myself and took the risk of like this. It was just some sort of little fictional story that I read about some guy who works a corporate job in London, in the city or whatever. And he makes a lot of money for his family and every year they take all that money they've saved and they go on a trip to Italy so he can fish off the jetty on the coast for a month. Yeah. And one day he's sitting there and he's talking to this local fisherman 
And the local fisherman says, oh, what do you do? And he says, I work this corporate job in the city in London and it's great because I make all this money and I can come here and enjoy this for a month every year. And the local fisherman was like, well, I do this and I enjoy it every day mm. and I make just enough money for what I need. And for me, understanding that in my current circle, like I literally right now make no money. Mm. And some people find that so hard to fathom because <laughs> I, bought the I, was, yeah, <laughs> I was looking at like probably realistically over a hundred grand yeah. this financial year that I probably would have made if I was on the same path that I was last year with real estate. And people go, how do you throw that away? I literally can't wipe a smile off my face every day. Bounce mm. out of bed at five every morning, doing everything I love every day and I'm working in the right direction. I feel like I'm just on purpose. Yeah, yeah. So I don't need to live the lifestyle where I'm splashing cash. Yeah, well, you can make money in other ways and money isn't always money, is it? Like currency, value... 100%. Like is other things, you know. Time. And I think money just becomes a byproduct of doing what's right. Yeah, yeah. And I believe that. And I think if you've got that relationship with it, it eventually does. And I can see opportunity, like opportunity opens every week for me. Yeah, totally. I think more money, more problems as well. 100%. Classic, classic 90s. So if anyone wants to just send some this way yeah. to alleviate your problems. Maybe we take <laughs> sponsored posts. I can yeah. <laughs> plug the cafe. What was it? Utopia, Utopia today. Big ups. So, Dave and the crew. But um, no, I think I think it's really nice to see... I think a massive realization through this whole period that a lot of people are starting to figure out what, you know, when this all started, so I'm going to preface a story from probably three months ago, I was on the podcast with Joe Damon, the comedian from NZ, mm -hmm. love that guy, I've become good mates with him, he's an absolute legend and I remember talking to him at the time and he was just starting to get some exposure, you end up growing like within sort of two months after that, like 10, 12, 15,000 followers on IG, yep. sold out a heap of shows through NZ, but was sitting there in the peak of their COVID lockdown, talking about how everyone was struggling with this concept of staying home for a month. And I said, how the fuck can you go from worrying about staying at home for a month with your own time to going back to doing a job you hate mm. for 38, 40 hours a week, every week for the rest of your life? How does that make any sense? Yeah, it's it's a bizarre concept. I mean, like, the lockdown thing for me was scary in the beginning, but then at the same time, you know, I think it almost was the recalibration for a lot of people. I, I remember, like, getting super reactive in the moment, like, you know, we've got to find additional ways to make money, we've got to do this, we've got to do this. And I remember reaching out to a few friends that weren't even necessarily creatives, but just sort of more in the business world, and they're like... <laughs> Dude, I'm just having a break. I'm loving it. And they weren't, you know, they're not, they weren't financially sound. You know, they yeah. were having the same worries that I would say 99% of, the, you know, everybody else were having. But they were just like, look, this is like, you know, this has forced our hand. Yeah. You know, I mean, I was doing things like, you know, sorting out my photos, you know. Yeah. Like, it was the, into folders. Like, yeah. It, I felt so guilty. But at the same time, you know, like, you're never going to get that... I don't think those moments are ever going to return again. Even now we're not completely out of it and I still am not in a, in, you know, in the headspace or have the ability to now go and finish what I started with the photos, you know? So yeah. I think, yeah, just, just owning that moment and, you know, enjoying, enjoying the forced break, the forced Definitely. hiatus, you know? So Definitely. Yeah, it's interesting. Biggest learnings for you in, I guess, life and business. If you look back on maybe one big mistake I don't like to say mistake. We learn from, you know, mistakes are just learnings and failures are just 
learnings that set you up for success later on. But is there anything you wish you knew 10 years ago? And is there anything that you've learned along the way that's been monumental? Wow, you should put these on a list for me so I'd be... I like it spontaneous. <laughs> be, be prepared. Um, I think it's just an ongoing thing of, you know, like I don't know what to do, but I constantly know what to not do. And yeah. I, and I think I've just kind of used that as a bit of a propeller, propeller, reoccurring theme that it's like, okay, here we are again. What happened last time? History undoubtedly repeats itself. Yeah. Um, so keeping that in mind, you know, in a situation, it, it's it's a weird balance, isn't it? Because, you know, like you, history can repeat itself and you can handle things differently, but this moment in time could mean that you need to handle it exactly the same, you know? Yeah. So I guess, yeah, just trying to assess it purely on, on your gut. Like that's, that's, I think, been my biggest thing is like always trust your gut. It's, and it's so true. If you don't, if it doesn't feel right, like I've done things that have been absolutely against every fiber of my being and it's been like pulling a fish hook out just to make a decision you know yeah and i think it's like you know if it's not a um if it's not a hell yes then it's a fuck no you know? yeah so i think that's probably i like that biggest, that's i reckon that could thing. even be like you could print that on a t-shirt if it isn't a hell yes it's probably a fuck no I like that. Take 20% of the I'll probably use that, yeah. It's all yours, mate. I probably (laughs) jacked it from somewhere. (laughs) Anyway. I'll probably get done for a copyright or something there. Yeah, yeah. Sued. But um, yeah, I don't know. I I think that's got to be it. Like if if it's just not a natural, if it's just not not a natural fit, small problems now, big problems later. Yeah. I think everybody's had those experiences. Could be, you know, a tenant or a... Yeah, definitely. Vendors, vendor. Yeah. You know, and they're a pain in the ass now. They're going to be a massive pain in the ass later. Ooh, 100%. I tell you what, I was blessed because I seen it happen. Yeah. I never, I I always, I think just because I was so me, I just attracted the right people to work with. Yeah. So I walk down now, like I'm, I'm a bit of a like blue mile walker twice a day. I've become one of those professional power walkers during COVID. Morning, Jane. No, no. All, all night kit. I'm, oh, yeah. Brand boy. Yeah, I'm, yeah, I'm going full <laughs> brand. I'm trying to get a sponsorship off Nike. Yeah, okay. I've been hitting them up. So if you listen to Nike, bloody <laughs> get around it. But I, I bump into old clients all the time. And one of my mates goes, oh, family, friends. And I'm like, nah, clients. And he's like, mm. you guys are bloody having hugs and shaking hands and laughing. And yeah, you know yeah. what's going on with their family. And and I just think you, that's, that's the thing. It's like if you feel good connections with people, work with them. Oh, if you don't, totally. you've got to learn to say no. Yeah, yeah, totally. Actually, if, uh, a friend used to always say, you know, the second best answer is no mm. as well. Like even in terms of like pursuing things, like, you know, when things are up in the air and all the rest of it, like, you know, obviously the, the best answer is yes, but the second best answer is no. So you can move on, yeah. get on to something else. But I think that's a great... You know, if you have that rapport with people, I think that's a great attitude, especially as much as we talked about Wollongong being the bubble. Like, it's so crazy, especially now with social media, how interconnected the community is, but also the communities that, you know, what do they say? Be careful of the toes you tread on today because it'll be connected to the asses that you have to kiss tomorrow. And it's so, you know, you can, you only got to do one or two things, get a bit of a reputation, and then, you know, credibility is really hard to get. 100%. 100%. But it's so quick, you know, to lose. So yeah. Bloody oath it is. Yeah. Talk to me about, for the listener that's tuning into this episode today, how can they interact with Verb Syndicate 
as a business? How can they get involved in supporting the events and these artists mm. that are, you know, basically putting their lives on the line to, to continue to creatively produce? Yeah, look, just the usual, you know, social media, email. Just got a phone yeah. connected yesterday, landline. How's that, hey? Send us a fax. Um, <laughs> yeah, look, just any, any way. Like, I mean, we're on Kembla Street above the Throsby. Just walk in, come and say good day, and, you know. Awesome. That's the easiest. Keep it old-fashioned. 100%. Handshake. Hey, Verb Syndicate on Instagram, just one word? Yep. Perfect. Everyone... Go ahead on socials, follow these guys doing awesome stuff. And it's it's actually a really fun page to follow just to see the journey that not only you take, but we take as a community here creatively. Um, and I've enjoyed it for the past couple of months that I've been tuning in and, and watching your stuff. So, Simon, it's been an absolute pleasure. Is there anything you want to leave the guests with? No, thanks for having me. Great experience. Mate, the experience. The, the Bradley experience. J Driver experience. Take it easy, guys. Subscribe and hey, as always, five star ratings all around. Mm-hmm.